Lord, we do look forward today to what we're going to learn, what you're going to teach us. And God, I, again, I want to thank you, Lord, that we have this record for us. And we can see church planning in the first century. We can see the very first churches planted and the move of the Spirit in lives of individuals and lives of, of uh, churches. And God, I do pray that as we continue this observation where the, in my mind, where the church just explodes out of its little confinement of, of Judaism and goes out into the entire world, God, I pray, I pray you would touch our hearts and light a fire within us. God, that we would have that desire to reach our generation, our community. Lord, as we watch what Peter and others are doing, that God, it would just inspire us to go out and, and accomplish what you have for us right here, right now. And we would know that the same God who's working in the hearts and the lives of the individuals we're reading about, is the same God who works in our hearts and our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. So I do pray, God, that You would just pour out Your Spirit at this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, a couple weeks ago we left off, remember we left off and Cornelius got saved. And we saw and kind of looked at that. And again, I think some of us, we minimize that. we got to understand how incredible that was. The Gospel now has left that confinement of Judaism and has gone out to Gentiles. And it is going to freak some people out. They're going to get upset about what's going on. Here's what I found in my life and even traveling and, and you know, being part of, uh, of these new church plants there in Florida and what's going on. Whenever God really starts to do something, it seems like the enemy like kicks it up a notch, right? And then the attacks start coming and things start happening and discouragement can kick in and, you're, you, know, and you begin to look at that stuff. Listen, you can give up quickly or you can dig in and know that God is God. That, that song we were singing about, He's there every day. He has never changed. He's the same God. And so listen, that's who we have serving us. So as we look at this and, and think about this, here's what I see. There's a radical, radical change in what's going on. And one thing I've seen about Christianity and church, it's all about change. And some of us hate change, right? Some of us don't like change at all. And I, I, I watch people and they get resistant to change. Now, I say I like to change. If you ask my wife, she would say different. Like sometimes I come home and she's moved all the furniture. And I'm going, what did you do? And she goes, I just like wanted to rearrange things. And I go, why? It was fine. I liked it the way it was. And she goes, well, come, you tell people you like change. I like change in church, but not change in my home. And then and we, have a, we have a thing. I think everybody has a thing. We, we call our thing a thing, right? And the thing is where I put my keys and, and you know, all of my stuff. And I always put my keys and my sunglasses in the thing. She moved the thing. And I'm thinking, the thing has always been right there. So now I just put my stuff on the floor. And I just drop it there and say, you're moving the thing. I'm... Listen, change is hard, isn't it? You know, I, I think about our ministry here when, when, we, when we moved from Hereford Road into town. That was quite a change. That was a, that was a huge 
to me and, and to a lot of people. That was big. And we left Hereford Road. We built the building that's next door, moved into town. And, you know, there were a few people upset, but overall it went pretty well. And, and, and you know, it was, again, it was a big change. But here's the one that blew my mind. After we outgrew that and we built this building and we moved 35 feet, do you know there's people who left the church? Oh, yeah, you're loud. I'm serious. There are people who said, I don't like change. I go 35 feet? Come on. Yet we do that, don't we? And those are just little things. Listen, what's going on, what we see going on in this church is humongous. I love Pastor Chuck Smith, what he used to always say, and especially when we'd come together at conferences and people were discouraged, Pastor Chuck would say this, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. You know, and hey, that's what we have to be, right? That was his proverb, and that's what we need to be. So listen, we're looking at this radical change, and we're looking at God moving in a whole new direction, because here's something that we need to pick up from this. God is about to move in a whole new culture and area, and here's what we need to know. He's the same God. Here's my point. God is relevant no matter what generation, no matter what culture, no matter what language, no matter where you go, God is always relevant. And that's what we're going to see here. So check this out. Listen, in, in verse 1, it says, Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So before Peter ever got back, remember when, when we left off? Remember Cornelius asked Peter to hang out for a while? You guys remember that? If you don't, look up your page a couple verses. And he asked him to hang out, and Peter was hanging out. And here, before Peter could get to Jerusalem, news of what happened got to Jerusalem, and they didn't even have Facebook. Listen how fast things traveled, and they find out what's going on, and these guys are not liking it. They're upset about it. They hear that, and listen, that breaks my heart. Should break our hearts. Why are they upset? Because the word of God went to the Gentiles? <gasps> How horrible. You know, I remember several years ago when we were still on Hereford Road and the church began to grow some and, and we, were, we, were, we weren't exploding, but we were growing. And, and I remember there was a lady who came up to me and she was upset. I don't like what's happening in the church. And I go, well, you know, when someone comes to me and says that, I'm thinking, what, what are we doing? And she goes, there's just too many people. And I go, okay, are you upset because people are getting saved? Here's what she said. Yes, we need to stop that. <laughs> uh, some of us are going, uh, tell that per new person comes to church and sits in your seat. And you're thinking, what are they doing? Listen, these guys, are, these guys are looking at this and here's what they're saying. We heard that the word of God went to the Gentiles. That's blowing their mind. Now, listen, it got there before Peter. Peter shows up, verse 2, and when Peter came to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him. You've got to underline that, man. Listen, those guys, those guys wanted to confront Peter. They wanted to start a war. They wanted to start something huge 
Peter shows up. Now here's what I'm thinking, man. Peter is like leaving Caesarea. Woohoo, right? He's excited about what God is doing. He probably skipped all the way to Jerusalem, right? And he's excited. And he walks in the room of apostles. Did you pick up? It was the apostles and others. And then it says those of the circumcision, which basically means everybody in the church at that time because everybody in the church was of the circumcision. They're all Jews in the church right now. And I think Peter's like walking in. Woohoo! And they're going, we're angry. You guys aren't excited? No, we're not excited. Just a little bit. Just give me a little bit of excitement. Nope. As a matter of fact, we're really ticked at you, Peter. I mean, Peter, man, do you know, do you know what that does to a person who God has used to do something, in my mind at least, extraordinary? And they're all pumped and excited about it, and here we are with these sour looks on our faces, these, these, these doubting you know, things going on. God is moving, and, and we're going, I don't like it. Well, why don't you like it? Because it's not us. You know, something that disturbs me is when I hear people in our fellowship talk about other fellowships, and God is doing something in other fellowships, and they're upset. I'm excited. I'm excited wherever God is working. I don't care where it is, because this is God working. I don't care, you know, hey, something great could be happening at Thunder Mountain, and people go, I'm not sure that's good. Why are you not sure it's good? Well, because we're not part of it. Oh, bummer. Listen, it's okay. These guys are upset. So Peter walks in, they're upset. And then listen to what they tell him. They said, they contended with him saying, you went in to uncircumcised men and you ate with them, Peter. How could you do such a thing? Now we're kind of looking at that thinking that's pretty trivial. That was huge. Now, you've got to understand, listen, at that time the church was all, everybody who was a Christian up to that point was a Jew to begin with. And in their, I think in their mind, here was their mind. You want to become a Christian, first you've got to become a Jew, then you become a Christian. And God had to find a way to break that, right? God had to find a way to destroy that wall and tear that wall down. So He did it with Cornelius. And now Peter's excited. Peter gets back in there going, you went and ate with them. Oh, how horrible. Now, listen, I, I get it for us. Eating is just, you know, we share a meal with somebody. We just hang out and share a meal with them and talk, hopefully. Hopefully we put our phones down and talk. Some of us just text back and forth across the table. But, you know, for us, it's just kind of us sitting there talking. In that culture, sharing a mood, a mood or a meal was, was listen, it was huge. You weren't, you weren't just eating with somebody. When, when you shared a meal with somebody, you were, in, in essence, in their minds, you were becoming part of them. Remember when... They were around the table and everybody's freaking out about who's going to betray Jesus. Remember what he said? Watch and see the one who dips with me. You see, when people ate, they would dip their bread and stuff. And check this out, double dipping was okay. <laughs> it wasn't like frowned upon because it's all you did. You dipped in that. And, and listen, that's how intimate it became. It, was a, it wasn't just a social thing. It was a thing we're sharing together. We're becoming one. I remember, I remember being in Thailand and, and uh, we went out with some people actually and they weren't believers but we were trying to share with them. And we went out and there was a group from a bank and there was like maybe 12 of them. And anyway, we're all sitting around this big table and, and uh, 
they brought out this big thing of soup. It kind of, it kind of reminded me of a bunt pan. It kind of had a thing in the middle, and they brought it out, and a little fire in it. And they set it in a table, and I started looking around the table, and I went, there's no bowls. We all have spoons, but we don't have bowls. Do you know what happened next? We all ate out of the same bowl. Now some of you are going, oh no. <laughs> yeah, we did. It, it, it was so good. That was like the best soup I think I've ever had. So listen, some of us don't do things and we miss out on something really good. But here's my point. It's just a cultural thing. And you do kind of become one with that person, right? Think about it. What's shared? So listen. They're telling Peter, how could you do this? You as a Jew, how could you do it, Pete? You did something, and listen, Peter struggled with it, but you did this thing. How on earth can you do that? Do you know you're wrecking everything? (laughs) That's kind of scary, isn't it? So Peter, think about if somebody approaches you with that. How are you going to respond and what way are you going to react back to them? Because listen, this thing could go one of two ways. It can get dealt with or it can explode into something huge, right? It all, I think a lot of it depends on our own reaction. When somebody comes up to us and something's happened and they're kind of in our face, listen, we can either defuse that situation and work through it or we can just light a little bit more fire and get it going, huh? I love what Peter does. I'm kind of shocked. Listen, I'm personally shocked that Peter just didn't pounce on him and go for it. But listen, listen what he says here in verse 4. It says, But Peter explained to them in order from the beginning saying... Now listen, listen, Peter is going to share with them and here's what he's going to do. Okay, you guys are upset at what's going on. I'm just going to give you the facts. And then you deal with it, right? That's kind of cool, isn't it? I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going like, to banter back and forth. Let me just tell you what happened. Now, here's what's interesting to me in chapter 11. What we're going to read for the next several verses is almost word for word what goes on in Acts chapter 10. We've read it already, and it's going to be almost word for word. Now, some of you are going, that's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal, if you have limited writing space. Do you understand they were writing, they weren't printing books, they weren't like typing on a computer and hitting print and it just all printed out and it didn't matter how much you wrote. They had limited space. They're writing on scrolls. Remember scrolls? And you had a limited space. Listen, you couldn't have a scroll just unlimited, right? It could only be so long. As a matter of fact, the longest a scroll could be is 35 feet. The book of Acts takes up about 35 feet. Imagine, imagine carrying around this thing 35 feet long. That would be crazy, huh? Imagine trying to find something in there. <laughs> right? I mean, it'd be insane. But listen, it was 35 feet, and here's my point. He's using precious space that he could have just said, check out what happened in chapter 10. Right? Why does the Holy Spirit caused Luke to repeat this almost word for word. Here's why. Because it's important. It's that important. I want to get it in our hearts. It's that important because something 
crazy, radical is taking place in the church that is a defining moment for the church. And God wants to make sure that we get a handle on exactly what's going on and we don't miss it. So God has him repeat it almost word for word. So listen, I know sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll read something and go, hey, we just covered that in chapter 10. Let's just kind of gloss over it. I don't think we should do that here. I'm not going to go as in depth as we did last time. But listen, I want us to think about, again, what is going on? So, And then here's the other part. This is kind of fun to me. This is given from Peter's perspective. The last time Luke recorded it, he recorded it kind of chronological. He said, here's what was going on in the heart of, of uh, Cornelius and Caesarea. That began a movement. And then here's what's going on in Peter's heart. Then the guys show up and then they all go to Caesarea. Peter sees it from an entirely different perspective. Where does he start? Look where Peter starts the story. Verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. Listen, one thing he leaves out, that he was hungry. Right? But he says, listen, I was in Joppa praying, seeking the Lord, and here's the vision I saw. An object, in the middle of verse 5, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So this is basically what we read. Oh, he does add wild beasts here, but basically what we read. And he kind of gives us that story and Peter's going, listen, here's what happened. I'm doing this. I see this thing let down and then I hear a voice from heaven telling me, get up, kill and eat. And Peter, listen, Peter says in verse 8, but I said, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. Now listen, we're, we kind of joke around Peter saying no, Lord, and he really shouldn't do that. But man, listen, this is how... This is how intense this was for Peter. All of my life, I've never done that. I'm not going to do it now. I've been careful. I've watched what I've done. And I'm not going to do it now. Peter says, no, Lord, I'm not gonna, unclean things have not entered me. I may not be the holiest guy in the world, but man, I've been careful about my dietary you know, laws and watching them, and that hasn't happened. And so listen, but the voice answered me in verse 9, answered me again from heaven saying, what God has cleansed you must not call common. Now when this was done three times, all were drawn up again into heaven. Now listen, it's, it's three times. It's, one of the commentators brought this up. Peter heard the voice of God six times. He heard him say, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter three times said, uh-uh. And then God said, don't you call common or unclean what God has cleansed, right? So man, I tell you what, that, that had to influence him. That had to affect him in a great way. And you know, we're blessed because we have the Word of God. We have it written down. We can go to it. Have you noticed your Bible doesn't change? Hallelujah, huh? Listen, experiences can come and go. Highs and lows happen in our life, but the one thing that's constant and never changes is the Word of God. 
and you go to the Word of God, man, that's solid. And that's, that's what guides us and directs us. And Peter, you know, Peter here saying, man, I, I, I don't want to do that. And this was done three times. And, you know, and, and then he says, listen, at that very moment in verse 11, three men stood before the house where I was, ha- where I was having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit said to me, or told me, to go with them doubting nothing. You know, I underlined that. I told you to underline it when we saw it in chapter 10. I underlined it again because I think it's that important. Listen carefully. God is telling him, I want you to take a step of faith. That's what God is saying. I want you to trust me and take a step of faith. Do you know how hard that is? If you say, no, you don't, then you've never taken a step of faith. Walking by faith is hard. Again, I remember Chuck Smith saying, hey, if walking by faith was easy, everyone would be doing it. It's hard. It's hard, especially, especially when you're going against something that's logical or something that makes the most sense. Or, you know, you're doing that and God is guiding you and directing you. Man, you've got to go. But here's the thing. Once you go, you've got to doubt nothing, man. Don't, once you go, you can't, you can't get in the middle of that and start doubting or you're going to have a train wreck. And he says... Peter, I want you to go with these guys and I don't want you to doubt. I want you to put your head down, man, and I want you to go. And so listen, he says, doubting nothing in the middle of verse 12, moreover, these six brethren accompanied me and we entered the man's house. Remember when we were in chapter 10, I told you there were six? There's six. And I look at it this way. Peter's talking to this group, right? Here's, here's the other apostles and the guys of the circumcision. So here's the church in front of him. What were you doing going in that house eating with Gentiles? Well, let me tell you what happened. I saw this vision and this happened and Spirit told me to go. And these six guys, they were with me. Smart move, wasn't it? I got six guys, man. They all saw the same thing I saw. So for evidence of what he's doing, listen, for evidence that he was doing the right thing, the first thing Peter gives him is the word, right? Or I'm sorry, the vision. I got a vision from God. I saw the vision and I reacted to the vision. Then the Spirit, right, told me to keep going. So he has a witness of the Spirit. And then check this out. He says, listen, he says, these guys were with me. And he says, uh, then the Spirit, or I'm sorry, yeah, the Spirit told me to go uh, looking at nothing, verse 13. And he told us how he had seen an angel. They went into Cornelius' house. How he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon whose surname is Peter. Here's what I love, man. Peter goes, these six guys were with me and we all entered the man's house. And when we entered the man's house, he had told us what? He had seen an angel where? In his house. You like that? Here's what I like. If an angel can go in a Gentile's house, then I can go in a Gentile's house, right? Kind of, kind of hitting them hard there. I was there. there was a, he said he saw an angel standing in his house. I figure if an angel can do it, it's good enough for an angel, ought to be okay for me. What do you guys think? He didn't ask him that, but I think he's implying that, Right? There was an angel there. And then he says, listen, the angel told him, send to Joppa, and Peter's going to tell you. Now here's what I love. He says, send to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Verse 14, who will tell you, who will tell you words by which you and your household will be saved. One reason I think this is important is the church is going out to the Gentiles. 
But a second reason why I think this is so important is that we have to understand that being good does not get you saved. By giving to the poor does not get you saved. By saying prayers does not get you saved. Are you with me? Listen, Cornelius was doing all the right things, yet he didn't have Jesus. The only thing that saves you is the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how many times you read your Bible. I don't care how many times you give to the poor. I don't care if you give up anything. If you don't have Jesus, you're not going to heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. Now listen, some people say, that's rather exclusive. We talked about it last time. Remember, it's not exclusive when Jesus says, anyone who comes to me, you know, I will accept them. If you, you, know, if you want to get saved, come to Jesus. Well, I don't want to. Well, then that's your problem, right? It's not God's problem. It's not He's excluding you. You're choosing not to do it. And sometimes then we get so bullheaded and we make up crazy things, but I don't want to get into all that. So listen, go find out and the guy's going to give you the words by which you must be saved. An interesting thing, angels don't share the gospel. Pick up on that man. An angel was there. We talked about it last time, right? An angel was there. An angel didn't share with him. And the fact that Cornelius was not saved, we've talked about it. And then the third thing is, the only way to be saved it's by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by accepting Him. I kind of like that. I kind of think God is hammering that home no matter what because we see a really great guy here, but he's not saved yet. So then Peter now, now here's where it gets interesting. And in verse 15, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Listen, Peter's going, man, hey, look what happened. I'm just talking to these guys. I'm just beginning to explain things and bam! God saves him and God baptizes him in the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? I don't know about you guys. I just love reading that. I just love thinking about being there. Now listen, I do believe and in, in, uh, you know, some people disagree. I believe that the Bible does teach that there's a different work of the Spirit when He comes upon us, baptizes us. We talked about it in Acts chapter 2. We talked about it a little bit in Acts chapter 10. Talk about it again here. Here's what Peter's saying though. That different work doesn't always have to be another, a separate work. Notice these guys got saved and baptized with the Spirit all at once. I love that. I love that when that happens. It doesn't happen to everybody. But here's my point. The typical Pentecostal or charismatic doctrine is first you must get saved, then you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you're lucky. Right, that's my part, they add. They act like you have to do something special. We've talked about it before. What, what, do, you have to do, what do you have to do to be baptized with the Holy Spirit or have the upon experience that I like to call? What do you have to do to do that? Well, sometimes I tell people, first you have to go to Bisbee, then you have to... You know what you have to do? You have to ask for it. It's that simple. 
Again, Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells us, hey, remember he's talking to the group and he goes, hey, which one of you would give your child a rock if they asked for a piece of bread? Which one of you would give them, you know, snakes if they asked for eggs? And, you know, he uses all of those things. How many of you would do that? And he goes, they go, we wouldn't do that to our kids. How much more will my heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you just ask for it or for Him? Ask for that. So listen, these guys got it. I love it, man. These guys got it when they got saved. And that does happen to some people. And then I know other people, man, they walk with the Lord for a while and it doesn't. But here's the point. How do I know if I have it? Well, I think that one evidence is you have this intense love for others. It's not speaking in tongues. Again, the classical Pentecostal charismatic doctrine is you will speak in tongues. Not everybody who is baptized with the Holy Spirit speaks in tongues. As a matter of fact, I think that's a gift and you can get our teaching on Corinthians and and go through that. But here's what I do know. If you want to know if you have it, ask for it and then by faith, receive it. How do you know that you're saved today? Do you feel anything? How do you know you're saved? Some of you are looking like, I didn't know there was going to be a test. How do you know you're saved? Because you asked God to save you, right? You came and you asked Him to come into your life. Some of us, we experience stuff. Some of us don't. But by faith, you accept it because it's in God's Word. Same with the Holy Spirit. So listen, but here's what Peter says. Here's what I know about these guys. As I was speaking the Holy Spirit came upon them as He did upon us at the beginning. And then listen, here's what I love. Verse 16, Then I remembered the word of the Lord and how He said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Listen, your experience must, listen carefully, must line up with the Word of God. Do you see what he's saying? What I saw happen lines up with the Word of God. If your experience does not line up with the Word of God, then you just had an experience. Don't count it as something like, woo. Count it as a woo. It's just an experience. But here he's saying, I know this is true, and I know these guys are saved because I heard what the Lord said, and here's what's in the Word. I love that, don't you? And Peter is excited. Oh, oh, listen. He says, hey, I remember that. Then verse 17, if therefore God gave them, so that's the end of his, his whole what he saw, if therefore God gave them the same gift as He gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Hey guys, ask my six brothers, Right? When we saw that, what were we supposed to do? We're supposed to tell them you can't do that? We're supposed to tell them that didn't really happen? I saw what happened. Man, who am I to withstand God? Here's what I love, man. Peter just went and simply shared the Word. That's all he did. He didn't have to get, listen carefully, he didn't get all into Gentile mode. You know what I'm talking about? He just went and shared the Word. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them. Peter saw that God saved them and changed them. Here's my point, man. God's Word is relevant. I don't care where we go. I don't care who we're talking to. I don't care what generation. I don't care, you know, it's just as relevant as it was in the days of Noah today because it's God. God is always relevant. Always. 
And Peter didn't have to get into this whole Gentile. He just went and shared with him. And he says, man, I saw God move, and now he's telling the Jews, what was I supposed to do? Tell them they can't be saved, that first you've got to come, you've got to convert to Judaism. Now, all of this didn't happen. You know, let's just, just didn't happen. And let's come, let's become Jews first, then let's get circumcised. Then, then you can have Jesus. He goes, I'm not going to withstand God. Don't you love it? So they're going, uh-oh, right? Verse 18, when they heard these things, they became silent. I bet they did. It's like, don't you wonder what, like the apostles, you know, there's some apostles we don't even remember, right? Bartholomew. When was the last time you thought about Bart? You think about the big three all the time, right? But the other guys, you kind of, yeah, I kind of sort of remember them. Remember there was a Judas that was not Iscariot? There's another Simon, Bartholomew, Nathaniel. There's a few of them, right, hanging out. These guys are hanging out. I'm thinking they're looking at each other going, this can't happen. He doesn't get it in your heart. This was like the most unchurched thing that ever happened in the church thus far. It's radical. Listen, it's just like blowing up and it's got to be, it's like, wow, we've never done that. Like, we never even got close to doing that. Like, we never even thought of that. And they're sitting there, they're dumbfounded, they're looking at each other, because here's what they know. Peter's not a liar. And God did a work. Wow. So they were silent. Listen, they're silent. And they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles, listen what they looked at, God granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Don't you love that? Here's what I love, man. Because some of us talk about we got saved. Why don't we look at the fact that God changed us, turned us around, gave us repentance unto life. I love life. And I want to live as much life as I can. But listen carefully. I'm not talking about just existing. I don't want to just exist in this world. I want to love and enjoy life. And the only way that happens is to know God and to get involved with what He's doing. And these guys are going, man, who? Look at what God, God granted to the Gentiles of all, of all the things God could have done. He granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. How amazed they were at that and they're glorifying God. Woo! Yes! Now you and I should be really thrilled about this. You guys are not so much this morning. Maybe if you read this afternoon you'd be happier. This is amazing. We kind of read this stuff like nonchalantly. Yeah, yeah, that happened, yeah. So? The church just changed beyond what anybody ever imagined it was going to be. This is huge. So God repeats it. God tells us again. Now here's again what I want us to take home from this. Number one, God is always relevant. Number two, you and I have an opportunity to do the same thing. Remember when we looked at it the first time, how we talked about God is working in the heart of Cornelius and working in the heart of Peter, and they come together and... Right? And God is guiding and directing us in our lives. And listen, we've got to be talking to people. We've got to be engaging people. Who do you know that God's working in their life as you're coming in contact with them? And you might be the one that gets the fruit. Oh, you might just be planting a seed. Have you ever shared with somebody and they didn't care? 
Yeah, a couple of you nod your heads. The rest of you, you've never shared with anybody, so you're going, I don't know. Hey, you share with people. People go, I don't care. Here's every time when people kind of blow me off, I, here's what I do. I kind of laugh to myself. I think, got that seed in there. Someone's going to come and water that. As a matter of fact, I chased one guy in Bisbee down one time. He's like blowing me off. He's not even listening to me. And he took off walking. And his, well, I don't want to tell you his name. You might know him. But anyway, I'm following him. And he, and he was, you know, he was one of those little pouch-carrying hippies, you know. And he's walking along, and I'm like right behind him. And, and he's like, I don't want to listen to you. So here's what I did, man. I took a little track right in his pouch. So when he got home, boom, there I am. Planting little seeds, man. Just putting little seeds in there. Listen, we may just be seed planters. That's good, isn't it? You don't know. Someone else is going to come along and water it. And then along comes the guy, right? And he shares and they get saved and they go, whoa, look what I did. I planted the seed. Listen, let God use us in this generation. We're serving the same God. and I'm excited about what happened in Cornelius' life, but I'm so much more excited about what God is going to do in our community through us as we go out those doors and we're convinced He wants to use us. All we've got to do is listen and then take that step of faith. That's the hard part. I understand that step of faith is hard, but just do it, man. Just hold your nose and go. And take that step of faith. And who knows what God is going to do? I'll tell you what. I believe right here, Peter was absolutely blown away by what God did in his life. Peter never imagined I think even when Peter walked on the water, that was cool. That had to be a highlight. But I think right here, Peter's going, this is it, man. The church will never, ever be the same. It is going to be for all men everywhere, every generation, every language, every race, every ethnicity, every culture. The church can reach because the church, listen, the church by being the church is always relevant. All we got to do is follow Him. Let's stand up and pray.